We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello, and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Colts beat writer, James Boyd. A win, James. We get to talk about a win. I didn't know that was going to happen so soon, but it's nice. To, it's, it's, I don't know. It's a little bit uh, bittersweet because Anthony Richardson is out again, two games in a row. He's exited games with injuries. You wrote a really good column saying, hey, like this is all well and good, but you got to protect yourself. Otherwise, none of this matters. So um, that's obviously a lot to dig into. We'll get into Zach Moss, the offensive line being surprisingly good. Gardner Minshew, lots to talk about, but it all starts <laughs> with Anthony Richardson. Just take us through what you saw when it happened, how it happened. Like you were telling me right before the podcast, we started here. Like no one noticed he was gone. Cody pay was hurt. The tent was popping up and then it was all kind of all hell broke loose. Yeah. So obviously I'm thinking I'm going to have the most easy or easiest story, proper English for you all listening. Easiest story ever, because those first two drives, those first two touchdowns rather by Anthony Richardson were, you know, just, highlight real stuff. And I was like, okay, this dude is having his moment. He's making his case for, you know, offensive rookie of the year and face of the franchise, all those things. And so after he scored his second touchdown and Quiddy pay went down on defense with an injury that was minor, he came back and, and not a big deal, but I just decided to put on my binoculars and just look around and try to see where AR was at. Because like the first week, I wasn't following him every single play, every single snap, every single sideline moment. But I just wanted to see what was his reaction to being up 14-0, getting off to, I mean, a start that you couldn't really picture going any better. And then I couldn't find him. And I'm like, where is this dude? You know, he's not hard to find. He's big. You know, he's, he's a huge dude. And I'm looking and looking and looking, and I see the medical tent is up. And the only person I don't see in there or don't see on the field or out in the open, rather, is Anthony Richardson. And I know Quiddy Pay isn't in the tent yet because he hasn't left the field yet. And so I, like, nudge a couple people around me, and I'm like, hey, does anybody see AR? Am I blind? What's going on here? And that's when we saw him come out of the tent and, you know, walk with, looked like one of those certified athletic trainers, the ones that spot concussions, or at least um, you talk to if you – as we later found out, Anthony Richardson self-reported his concussion. And he left the field early in the second quarter, and that was it. And then I went from, you know, being in my opinion, probably the best press box food-wise, you know, scarfing down a bunch of stuff I shouldn't be eating to, oh my gosh, let me toss this to the side because my editor, Jim Aiello, <laughs> is telling me we need something. And so um, that changed the day for me, and it changed the day for the team, obviously, because AR did not come back and play. We kind of knew, though, just from a safety perspective, once he left and the announcement was made that he's being evaluated for concussion, we were like, oh, his, day, his day's over. We're, living, we're in a different climate now. Even if he was fine or whatever, once that word comes out, you have every right as a league, as a team, to kind of be like, hey, we, we need to you know, maybe save you from yourself. And, and honestly, he saved him from himself. So that was commendable, but just went from having a sort of he has arrived moment to a different sort of he has arrived moment where it was like, okay, he's really got to learn to take care of himself. And I don't say this in a critical manner because I know this was one of the narratives on Twitter or on social media was like, oh, he eased up and took that hit on purpose. No, from what I heard and from what Shane Sykin said today, he didn't really see 
MJ Stewart, the Texan safety, coming at the last moment. And so that is a lesson to run through the tape. Run through the tape because if he runs full speed, I mean, AR is probably like a 19-mile-per-hour, 20-mile-per-hour guy. And if he just puts the afterburners on, he probably gets in there. He might get hit, but he's not getting hit directly, like, you know, chest-to-chest, helmet-to-helmet, whatever, and he's flipping back into the end zone. His momentum would have carried him forward instead of to the side where his head would have gone. And honestly, it's I don't want to call it dirty hit. It was close to being unnecessary, but I understand where MJ Stewart was coming from as a defender, and, and you're probably frustrated. So I'm not gonna get I'm not getting into that. I don't I don't think it was dirty hit. I watched it back and it looked like he hit him right at like the one yard line. Now you could say, you know, why did you hit him up top or why'd you, you know, kind of lead with the crown, whatever. But to be honest. And I don't want to downplay a concussion. It is a serious injury, and we don't even know how serious it is, how not serious it is. All I saw was AR putting on a hoodie after the game and, and leaving the locker room. He looked, you know, okay. He wasn't wobbling or anything, but obviously I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what his status will be going forward. We'll just have to kind of monitor that throughout the week. But if it's not high, he goes low, and it's a knee or an ankle. And so that he just got popped in the leg last week and, and was writhing in pain on the ground and ended up leaving the game early. So either way, it was going to be a lose-lose situation. It's just, as you alluded to, Jim, if he just kind of puts the gas on and takes his momentum, he probably avoids the big brunt of that hit, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And like I said, I think that's the lesson learned. Actually, I will say, I want, and you highlighted it already, but it is commendable that he self-reported. I think there are players who wouldn't have. And I think, like you said, in the, in the culture, in the era that we're in, I think it is what you should be doing. And I think it is good that he did. And again, but otherwise, it's a hard lesson learned. I guess I, I want to ask you, what's your kind of on a one to ten rating system what's your alarm with him right now exiting his first two games obviously one with the lower body injury one with the head injury are you very concerned or did he get unlucky where are you on your Richardson like hey this guy could be special but he's got to protect himself like where are you on that I'm at a four on like a 10 point scale I'm not panicking but I'm also thinking okay this is something that is seriously people will ask me or we'll have these debates in the media room. What's the successful season for AR? A successful game right now is for him to finish it. Yeah, four quarters. And and then he wasn't the only one. Ryan Kelly, you know, obviously a veteran, been here a long time. He also suffered, reported a concussion or concussion-like symptoms in the third quarter. So he didn't finish the game either. And so, again, commend him for stepping up and saying, hey, I'm not right. And, and part of that is, you know, difficult, especially in that sport in particular. I was telling – couple of people because we went out to eat afterwards and when I covered the Pacers for an entire year I think I might have covered one concussion and it was like one or two and it was like fluke play that don't happen very often in basketball like a guy gets elbowed in the face on a rebound I think one of them it was like the most bizarre play ever where Isaiah Jackson for the Pacers listeners out there someone I think kicked the ball you know the ball will just kind of spiral and go some weird way and Isaiah Jackson was, like, falling at the same time. So he got kicked in the face with the ball. And it was, like, the most SC, not top 10 play you'll ever see. And he was concussed because of it. And he, you know, got better. We had to treat like a serious injury because it was a serious injury. But I just haven't covered them a lot. But every week in the NFL, someone is being concussed or having those symptoms. And so um, it's alarming. And then for AR in particular, you just want to get to a point where you can have confidence in his ability to – avoid the unnecessary hits. And again, I'm not saying that he intentionally did anything, but the play last week, it's like, okay, fourth and five, got to have it. 
part of you is like, eh, you know, still got to be a little bit more aware. And then the flip side to, you know, this past Sunday in Houston is you got to make sure that you are playing the game at 100 percent. 100 miles per hour because that other guy always is too. And I think I think defenses get a lot of joy out of cracking a quarterback. Yeah, for sure. Especially a big one. Yeah, I mean, they, they like that. So I don't think it was a dirty hit at all. I just think it was a welcome to the league hit. And one quote that I didn't actually include in my story, I encourage you all to check that out. You know, Josh Downs kind of gives a, a play-by-play of what happened with Anthony Richardson, what he saw, what he heard. So check that out. Michael Pittman Jr. had the money quote in the entire thing where he was kind of joking, but kind of not. He was like, you know, don't run like me, especially if, you know, the whole franchise is depending on you. And it is. I thought that was very honest. But the thing about it is, I mean, Pittman basically said with AR, he doesn't take a lot of hits. At least he hasn't seen him take a lot of hits so far. But when he does, there are big hits. And he was like, he has to understand this is a big boy league now. This is the NFL. Everyone moves faster. Everyone hits harder. And as a number four pick, the golden child, the Superman kid, whatever, all these nicknames, they want to take you out. I mean, I, I, I get it. The Patrick Mahomes, the Joe Burrows, all those guys will be the headliners. You, you get up for those guys. But I have to imagine a defense gets tired of hearing about a kid who has all these superhuman abilities kryptonite as i mentioned in the story is the big hit and so as big as he is as invincible as he might seem like he is he's not and so um i don't want to get too deep into it but i mean anthony richardson has an injury history he has not been someone who's been very healthy for an extended period of time in his life i mean you can go back and watch the qb1 series that netflix did he didn't end his senior season because of a shoulder injury gets to florida had, had you know, i believe he had a knee injury at florida you know, you get gets the NFL first two games gets knocked out. So, again, I'm not panicking, but I'm at about a four where it's like finish the game and then I can woosah and, and kind of go back down to a three or a two. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about what the future holds for this, because my question and I asked you this is Shane Sykin going to have to change the way he's calling these games or is it simply going to be something Anthony Richardson's going to have to play? Because I want to look at I wanted to read you a stat here is that in yesterday's game, CJ Stroud took six sacks and was hit by the Colts nine times. He entered the game with a shoulder injury. Now, as far as I know, he's fine. Point being is he took a lot of hits inside the pocket, a lot of court, a lot of traditional quarterback hits, and he's okay. Anthony Richardson didn't take a sack. Anthony Richardson, I don't think, was hit. I think it was the, the Texans only had one quarterback hit. I'm pretty sure it was on Minshew. However, these are the hits. He's taking these big ones outside of the pocket when he's trying to make superhuman plays. So my question to you is, are they going to have to do something to dial back the plays that they call where Richardson puts him, exposes himself to these non-traditional QB hits? Or is it really just going to have to be, Anthony, You, we have to use you this way. you got to be smarter. It's a tough question. I do think that it will have to be, you have to just be smarter. Because what makes him great is the ability to utilize him in ways that other quarterbacks can't be utilized. And Shane Steichen has said this repeatedly the statistics show that quarterbacks get hurt more in the pocket than out of the pocket. My counterpoint to that is your quarterback's not like anybody else's. As much as we can look at the data and what's more, most likely to happen, the reality is your guy got hit both times out of the pocket and couldn't finish the game. And so that's something to keep in mind. But I think it's 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 a lesson. And, and to be honest, I think this will be the greatest teaching moment for AR in its early stages of his career because – I know how much he wanted to finish that game. 
just by you know knowing him for the last few months, it probably hurt him a lot. So, you know, still win. He was a great teammate from what everyone said. And I don't mean to say that lightly. Like he, they were saying he was one of the guys who congratulated Colin Grant on, you know, on his first touchdown, you know, congratulated Zach Moss, congratulated Gardner Minshew. But there has to be that part of that part of him where he's like, man, I wasn't available for my team. And so I think that this is an opportunity where if he does have to, let's say, miss the Baltimore game when he's sitting there or, you know, sideline, whether it's back in the locker room yesterday or this upcoming week, I don't know yet. We'll find out. That when the game's taken away, I think that has to sort of really drive home the point. I mean, last week he was kind of joking about, you know, oh, I'll definitely slide, I'll definitely slide, I'll do these different things. And I'm saying he should have slid yesterday. It's just no the yeah. awareness level has to be heightened. And again, the league kind of has a way of of giving you that tough love to make sure you, you know, find those moments of, of clarity and maturity to make sure that you are not putting yourself and as Pittman alluded to, the franchise in harm's way. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence wasn't uh, wasn't effing around when he told him to protect himself, man. Like it was, it sounded, it was kind of a nice, funny bit of thing. Hey, protect, hey, but he was not kidding. Like protect yourself, Jim. I'll ask you from your perspective. You've like overseen the coverage of teams who have dual threat quarterbacks. So, w- what is your perspective on watching a young one maybe find that balance? I mean, Daniel Jones obviously is is, is a dual threat guy. Um, Justin Fields is another one, but I mean, these are guys who. As big and strong as they are, they're not invincible. Justin Fields has missed time. Daniel Jones has missed time with injuries. They both have. The only guy, and he played through an injury last year for a significant amount of time, people don't want to remember it, is is Josh Allen. And Josh Allen, I mean, that guy is throwing himself at the first down marker from seven yards away and is somehow getting away with it. I don't understand. I think he's going to end up paying for it at one point. But, I mean, you can't play that way. And you mentioned in the story, like, Zach Moss watched this happen with Josh Allen. And, again, for some reason – he hasn't had to pay the price yet, but he will if he keeps playing like this. Maybe I should have like spelled this out, but I also did, I feel like it would have been better to say for the podcast because I can explain it better and not put Zach Moss in a position where he's like having an answer for what I wrote or something like that. But the look on his face when I asked him, you know, what would it, what it was like to see Josh Allen and what maybe AR can learn from a player like that, he kind of he like looked and laughed. And he's like, huh, yeah, you know, he is incredible he's an athlete he's a warrior but the things he didn't say was he's smart enough to get down he never said that you know and so maybe that's not the blueprint you follow and like to your point it hasn't come back to bite him just yet but as Julius Brents put it uh you know very simply and beautifully last week we were talking to him about the things he's going through obviously wasn't available or was a healthy scratch again for week two but he talked about how football is a win sport when you get hurt, not if you get hurt. Right, You're exactly. not going to go like no one goes through an entire football season feeling good. No one goes through any season feeling good. But I mean, that's the most violent sport by far in America. And so that's kind of how I look at it with Josh Allen, where it's like you cannot be that guy. And as I alluded to in my story, we've been here with Andrew Luck. You were probably here for Andrew Luck. And maybe you can speak to that mindset of being one of the guys, but you're not one of the guys. This franchise has been not been the I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you take it away. No, I mean, that's it. I guess that I didn't cover Andrew Lux in the beginning parts of his career. Honestly, I mean, again, I think I've told the story before on this podcast or maybe another, but like I got there three weeks before he retired. I started covering the Colts. Oh, wow. Um, you had a crazy the, the, start. The, 
the first story I ever did was on when Jim Irsay went on the radio and started talking about his ostrogonum. How he's got this weird bone that nobody else has, and that's what they think happened. I did a huge long research thing on what the heck an ostrogonum is. Turned out it wasn't even the problem. So big giant waste of time on my part. Good stuff. But anyway, mentality is it with Andrew Luck. At least that's that's what I remember. And again, I didn't cover the team day to day, but it was a lot of, like you said, it was a lot of him just not being willing to put himself above the team in ways because that's what kind of a guy he was. He was a guy who saw himself as just one of the guys and is like, hey, I'm, if everyone else is doing everything they can for the team, I'm going to do the same thing. And again, I'm not. I, I'm sure the Colts historians out there will say, hey, the hits that he got hurt on the end of his career weren't you know X, Y, or Z. I get that. Like, but he also took a lot of shots he didn't need to take. I mean, they were begging him to slide and a lot of times and he had to learn how to slide and get out of bounds and I don't think the injury ultimately at the end that he suffered was a result of him being too aggressive what I will say is when he talked about as his retirement speech before the age of 30 he talked about the recovery process and how grueling it was and then he get hurt again and have to go through it again and what kind of person that turned him into a bad person that he didn't like being around his family members and his friends because how much he hated that process that's because of recurring injuries. That's because of doing the things that Anthony Richardson is doing now. And again, I don't want to invoke Andrew Luck and say that's the path he's heading down. I, but that's the path he could head down if he's not smart about this. Again, there's also the snowboarding accident, all the other peripheral stuff. And to my knowledge, outside of people who were freaking out because Anthony Richardson played pickup basketball. I was going to say, you're trying to take him out <laughs> playing pickup basketball, right? Uh, yeah. No, no. And, and I'll, all the <laughs> listeners out there, your boy was staying very far away. I know we have like during like the height of COVID, there was like a six feet. social. I was like <laughs> not going near this dude because I was like, there's not going to be any reason he's friends ankle next to me. But he does have that similar kind of selfish mentality where, you know, he, he says it and he means it. Oh, you know, I know they would do it for me, so I'll do it for them. But I think you have to be tactically selfish where, and it's, it goes against his it. nature. It goes against his nature because he's not that type of guy. But selfishly, you have to realize I'm not just one of the guys. And it's something I wrote about in the big feature I did before the season. He struggled with that his entire life because he, he wants to be a great football player while still being one of the guys but it doesn't happen like that at your position. And so, again, I think this is something where you just kind of raise your eyebrows next week. If he does play, get through the entire game healthy. That is the goal. I mean, it will be great, obviously, for him to have another big game. You know, I think he's got, what, four touchdowns through, through two games, you know, three rushing, one passing. He's shown that he can be, to me, a guy. And honestly, the argument can be made that he's been the best rookie quarterback through two games so far. Now, I know Bryce Young plays tonight. But AR has looked way better than I thought he would. Now others might roll their eyes about, we told you, hey, I'm listening. But again, it's not a huge deal, but it is something to keep in mind going forward. And obviously, like I tweeted earlier, I will be out at practice every single day with the binoculars trying to at least see what stage of the recovery process Anthony Richardson is in. Obviously, if he isn't practicing, that's not a good sign. If he is practicing, what jersey color does he have on? The catch there is, Quarterbacks always wear red, wear red jerseys. Right. And so I, I can't tell you, you know, what's going on. And I, if you listen to, if you saw some of the tweets I had from Shane Sykin today, he's not going to say anything ever. And, and I don't blame him. It, it's different with quarterbacks. And so um, I guess as, as a little bit of a, a side note, AR's head is now the most talked about body part in Indianapolis other than JT's 
ankle. So uh, it's a give or take world right now, but felt for that, that young man for sure. Because again, it's easy to root from him from like a human standpoint, because he's a really, really, really good dude. But as I also talked to you before we got on the pod, sports are kind of like cruel sometimes where you can have this great backstory with this great person and it just doesn't pan out for whatever reason. And so if there is any sort of way for you to minimize, mitigate, you know, big hits, injuries, those things, he has to take that as a priority and just be more aware. I think like the, the hit yesterday was just a lack of awareness and not something where he's being like reckless, like a Josh Allen. It was just extremely unlucky. And I mean, he had two touchdowns on 18 snaps. That is crazy. Let's move on and let's pass some credit on to Shane Steichen. I know he's not the most verbose. Oh, man. Uh, but, man, can he draw up some plays and keep the train on the tracks when he doesn't have a starting quarterback. And, again, credit goes to Gardner Minshew. We can talk about that, too. But <laughs> yeah, this, Gardner. Th- this team, okay, hello, here's how I'll frame it. For you Colts fans daydreaming about Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. The Colts aren't going to be bad enough. I, I They're, they're, they're going to win five, six games, and their offense looks so well constructed and so well organized and just those two things are kind of boring but then also just beautiful i mean the play that richardson we talked about get hurt on the fake end around Ooh, which was wait. set up earlier which was set up earlier in the game already i mean he's already messing with defensive defensive players by doing this stuff i mean richardson was free and clear huge block from Pittman, obviously but then he had granton as a lead blocker i mean it was perfect and Colts receivers, and again, I credit, I listened to the, you know, we'll call it the main, the, the flagship show, the athletic football show uh, earlier this morning. They were talking about Shane Steichen. The receivers are running open all over the place for, for Gardner Minshew. I mean, he is designing up stuff. And again, I, I got to go back and rewatch this game, and I will. But man, again, not the most verbose and colorful coach, but he can draw up a play. Yeah, I think the term Michael Pittman Jr. used was like that play was his baby. And so... <laughs> He, oh my gosh, he, we went back and watched it when we got back from the locker room and kind of went up to the press box. It's fun for me from a learning perspective because you can tell when a big play happens, obviously, oh, they scored a touchdown. But when you have a player kind of explain it or at least make you go back and watch little details a little bit more, because I don't, I don't believe I saw like the crack back. I don't say crack back because it was a legal block, but the big block that Pittman, I didn't see it in real time. And I, I don't even think I saw it in the first few highlights that I watched it. And then until he told me, he was like, you know, he mentioned the block. And I was like, well, wow, that is a, a heck of a, you know. I mean, he he hit that guy and then it was like the Red Sea parted, basically. And you just walked through it. And so that was a huge play. But even going back to that first drive where, you know, that first scoring drive, I believe it was like 75 yards. I think it was 10 plays or whatever. And it was surgical. Just the amount of stuff that he did, you know, moving Anthony Richardson around, the reads Anthony Richardson made, because that QB draw or like design QB run from like the 18-yard line, I was like, wow, like one, that's my guy's just better than your guy athletically and making a tailor-made play for him. Because, I mean, I'm thinking to myself, how many guys in the NFL – at that position, are you calling that play for? I mean, him, it's, it, was, it reminded me of the Jalen Hurts play from when they gutted the Colts last year and beat them basically at the buzzer. That's what it reminded me of. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts, AR, Lamar Jackson, maybe Deshaun Watson, some others, but, like, there's only a handful of guys who's going to put their foot in the ground 
and get that vertical that fast and make it there because, I mean, guys can pick up first downs, but he just basically put on the afterburners and was like, there's no chance of you catching me. And so I think that Shane Steichen has shown um, his prowess as a play caller. He's elite at it, I think. And, you know, we've asked him about it going into the season. Even last last week, I believe he was asked about the balance of, you know, being the, the head coach, kind of overseeing everything, but also being the play caller. And he's like, I feel good. I feel comfortable. And he says that with conviction. Like there's not an ounce of doubt. We're kind of needling at him a little bit. Like, hey, well, was anything new? Was anything hard? And he's like, no, like the plan, the, the preparation, the focus. I just picture him like with like a, a spreadsheet in his office of like, a, you know, on his wall or something. And he's like, this is exactly how we're going to get him. And um, it worked. And and he's he's a he's a guy who he's all ball, as they say. And so from that perspective, it, as quick as the interviews can be, I mean, like yesterday's interview, post-game interview was two minutes, and like 45 seconds which is crazy from a head coach, but I mean, that's, that's how he is. I mean, even the, the, the softball questions of, Hey, how did, how was it to win your first game? He's kind of like, you know, yeah, you know, got the first game, got the game ball and on to the next thing. And it was like, not a thing. So I got to see him after like, I don't know, a big playoff win in the future or something like that might not be this year, but is there the joke now is like, man, is, is he's like a robot? Is he just like a cyborg must run play correctly? Uh, is there anything more there? But um, I, I mean, I enjoy Shane Steichen's play calling just from a, a visual standpoint because it does seem like he's very, very creative. And obviously, it's been effective because he is making Anthony Richardson look a lot better. And I think a lot of people would have assumed through these first two games. And again, he's not making life hard on him. So I wanted to go through. You talked about it, it was a 10 play, 75 yard drive. First play is a short pass to Pittman for 12 yards. Second play is an incomplete pass. That is the literally the only play in this drive that is no yards. Everything else, they're getting ahead of the six. So it's a quick 11, seven yards, and, they had, and then so it's a third and three. They had two third downs on the first drive. One was a third and three. One was a third and five. Both manageable situations for a rookie quarterback like Anthony Richardson. Just constantly. I mean, even the run plays. I, I wanted to pull this up, too, because you wrote a really great story in the middle of last week about not getting enough help from the supporting cast and how they had 0.0 yards before running backs had 0.0 yards before contact. Uh, in the running game, which is essentially saying the offensive line didn't open up any holes for them really at yeah. all. And again, running backs play into that a little bit. This week, I had the number pulled up here. They finished ninth, in, and again, four more teams to play, but ninth at 2.06. Way better this week about, about opening up running lanes for the running backs. And again, Zach Moss has a lot to do with that too. But offensively, Shane Steichen already is creating more space. And again, that number jumps up, by the way, if you include design quarterback runs. That was only for running backs. Uh, they're one of the best teams in the league running the ball this week with running back runs. So again, I just, he's doing such a good job of not making life hard and Anthony Richardson. And again, we've talked about this with Justin Fields with what he what he dealt with, with Matt Nagy in the first year, what he dealt with the first half of the season with Luke Getzey last year, offensive play callers who are not playing into his strengths, making life a little bit harder, make, trying to make him a pure pocket passer in some ways. You're not seeing that from Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen is trying to do things that make Anthony Richardson's already like prodigious gifts even better and, 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 and enhancing them. But now again, that comes with some costs with some of the injury stuff we talked about. But again, it's not even just like the creativity and the artwork. It's the fact that he's making life so much easier in Anthony Richardson that you have to give him a lot of credit. Like I said, you just have to give him a lot of credit for what he's done. It seems simple for the offense to kind of just go out there and, and make life easier on AR, but it's confusing for the defense at the same time because he's schemed it up so well. He's made some things look differently than what you would normally expect. And again, I also think that it's credit to AR because He's further along than I thought he would be. And I thought I think a lot of people thought he would be at this point. His floor is higher 
than I thought, seriously. And maybe it's just because he's got better talent around him. Obviously, you know, maybe better better coaching, whatever the case may be. But I think that's a serious statement and assessment because when I watch some of the tape at Florida, he looked better in the second half of his last season at Florida. And maybe that's what we're kind of seeing is like, you know, they're streamlining so many different things for him and just making the reads a lot simpler. And he's making them pay is just, again, stay healthy, finish the game because, and, and selfishly, I'm not going to lie, I do want to see the Lamar AR matchup next week, if possible. Obviously, I want him to be healthy and, and safe when he's out there. But if that does happen, I mean, that would be quite the game to kind of see the present, the guy who's doing it. Because, I mean, Lamar looked great yesterday. And I think it was a really good game for someone like AR to kind of see because the legs were used, but it wasn't necessarily – he didn't take a lot of big hits, made a lot of good pocket throws. And there's a, there's, I think there's obviously layers to it. Lamar is a, a, a really good pocket thrower, or at least in relation to Anthony Richardson. But – I think that was a game where I, I saw that and I was like, that's the future. Like that right there is, is what you want out of it. Now, you know, might be, you know, might be a, a couple of different things that sway, but I think that's a good kind of precursor or sort of blueprint for him to follow. Not the Josh Allen, I'm invincible, go out there and do whatever. Because I, I think his coaches are like, is he modern day Brett Favre where it's just like, and I don't mean the off the field stuff. Obviously, that's a whole different topic. But I mean, physically, he just doesn't care, and it might be good because he was brilliant yesterday against the Raiders, and it might be good enough for them to win it all, you know, in the next year or so, whatever. But I'm like, the, with with the the highs that Josh Allen comes with, the lows are like, ugh, what are we doing here? And it's risky. So I think that with AR, he's got two quarterbacks. He's he's, he's that for this franchise that he's playing for now, who are really remembered well, highly revered, whatever. But you know, one of them is more of like his playing style. Andrew Luck, big, can mobile, you know, big arm, all those things. Never really learned to like not take the big hits. And then you got Peyton Manning, who was not as athletic as Reggie Wayne, you know, made sure to remind us last week because uh, he was saying there was no extending play with, with Peyton. It was just get open and the ball's going to come. But learning from a guy like that and, 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 and someone who just never took unnecessary hits you know, knew when to fold him. That is something he'll have to learn as he gets older. And I think he will. And like I said, I think this week was a wake-up call for that. But you mentioned the offensive line. They looked good. Zach Moss, he looked good. And, I mean, we could talk about the elephant in the room that we kind of forgotten about, but it is still there. Jim, JT was not in Houston. Do I hit, like, my Houston, we have a problem button, or is that something that you would expect? I think it's at this point, it's kind of what I expect. I don't think he wants to be part of this team now whether or not he's been gonna give the choice of, of doing that i have no idea i don't know where things are at it feels like it's been like two weeks of like everybody around the nfl is just kind of cooled in on jonathan taylor news they're like we'll, we'll get back to it we'll get back to it we'll see but i don't think jonathan taylor's mentality has changed i think the reason i asked that question not to just be annoying which is what some people think and i get it sometimes you got to be annoying as a reporter to get what you need i learned earlier in my career being nice doesn't get you anything Honestly, you got to be like nice and stern. So I asked about JT again today, and I'll probably ask about him every single week until he comes back. But or at least he's off of the you know physically unable to perform list. But the reason I thought it was important to ask it today was because of the video he posted. You know, midweek last week, I believe might have might have been Friday or or Thursday or Friday, he posted a video of himself, you know, working out at the facility or or at least running around. All of his Colts friends, right? Exactly, and and the caption was (laughs) loading. 
And so you could take it one way where it's like, to your point, Jim, oh, the Colts are going to get him back. He's ready. He's, he's going to cave. He's going to, you know, let bygones be bygones. Water under the bridge. Kumbaya. He's ready to play. Or it could be, hey, for all these other teams who are like, is he healthy? I'm healthy. I, I looked at his ankle. I didn't see a brace on, on, on the right ankle. Didn't see anything like that. So the reason I asked that was I, I do think, and I, I can't, you know, speculate too much, but had he posted that video, had he gone to Houston after skipping the week one game, maybe in my mind I'm like, okay, there is some sort of fences being mended or, or something like that. But to my knowledge, I don't know if that's going to happen. I will tell you this right now. Uh, there's some news happening while we're doing this. I would say that I don't know if fences are going to be mended. This is from Tom Pelissero. The NFL is filing, filing a grievance against the NFLPA over allegations the union advised running backs to, quote, consider feigning or exaggerating injuries to gain leverage in contract talks and seeking an order for the union to, quote, cease and desist from such improper conduct. Now, again, this is just popping up now. I don't see Jonathan Taylor mentioned by name here, but it feels like this might be a Jonathan Taylor thing. I don't know what your initial reaction was to this. My initial reaction is my work week just got a lot busier. <laughs> so I was going to say, sorry, man. But oh, yeah, that just man. popped up. I, I just said tell- the NFL was cooling it on, on JT News. And then, yeah, right, I, I got to tell Tom, like, don't put this out until I've got my sleep on a Tuesday. Like, a Tuesday is great. You know, I got my sleep. I'm back, you know, among the living. I'm not a zombie anymore. But I think it's fair uh, to at least look into it because it was a question that was raised to Shane Steichen. You know, has the NFL peer, the NFL reached out to see about the legitimacy of Jonathan Taylor's injury. And we've all sort of looked at this as a injury slash holdout slash I want to trade request. Like this isn't a reg I don't I don't think we can say honestly that this is a regular, normal injury recovery, injury conversation, whatever, because even when guys are out or dinged up they usually are more forthcoming with information about their timeline, when they're going to be back, all those things. We have not heard from Jonathan Taylor since June. It is now September. That's pretty crazy for a franchise running back to like just not talk at all about his injury status or his update, but that would lead you to believe he doesn't want to be here. And so I put in all my stories, there has been no public indication that he wants to still be in Indianapolis. And, I mean, we asked Chris Ballard point blank. Is relationship mendable? You know, is this something that can be rectified? And, you know, his lingo was like, I hope so. Hope's not a plan, as I pointed out in one of my stories recently. So we'll see. I, I think this is interesting stuff for sure. And it definitely will get some questions raised to none other than Shane Sykin, who will not go near this topic, but <laughs> will have to be asked about it. And, and that's where I feel for him in all seriousness, because He's the head man right now, but he probably isn't, not even probably, he's not the guy who should be answering questions about JT. He's not the the, the guy who should be answering questions about those different things. I know I got a question today about, you know, why didn't you ask him why both concussions were self-reported and what the, what the spotters missed? And I'm like, yes and no. Why would I ask a coach about what the spotters didn't do right? It's not his job. He probably doesn't even know like what their job fully entails. So this is a tough spot to be in. I can't even get on the spotter for, I mean, you wrote about what happened. Anthony Richardson popped right up after hitting his head and didn't react. Again, they're supposed to look for signs of a guy maybe being woozy or whatever. And again, if they saw the replay of his hitting his head, maybe they would have watched him for a little while to see if he acted normal. And again, we don't know if he gave any physical signs from far away if, if something happened. So I don't even want to get on the, the same with Ryan Kelly, like the same with Ryan. Kelly. Like I had no idea. I didn't know. Like, I don't know what play it happened on. 
I would honestly have to go back and watch maybe like the last play that he was in, having that time, you know, flying from uh, you know, Houston to Indianapolis, and it was a uh, you know 4 a.m. wake up today. So I'll uh, get on the the film train probably tomorrow. But the point is, it's a tough situation we're going to be in. He's had to answer for a lot of things that probably aren't weren't on his docket as a first year head coach. But since you are the only guy we can talk to about these topics, we have to ask. That is the job. And you can't just ask the fluffy stuff, the, you know, first win, you know, the, the things that went right. All those things are great. They add to the story. But the full picture is asking the stuff that needs to be asked. And I know we get a lot of uh, pushback, at least like you said, because people kind of off the JT train. The reason why we can't completely get off of it, obviously, is because there hasn't been a resolution. A long term. Oh, yeah, you, ha- you guys have to ask. For yeah. Sure. I mean, it's just it's hanging over the team. I mean, had they traded the guy or extended him, whatever, at the beginning of the season then all this would be a moot point, but it just hasn't happened. What they did basically was set another deadline, which is when he comes back off of the, the physically unable to perform list, assuming he comes off of that list by, you know, week five. So we'll see. But, I mean, Tom Palacero, he's, he's him. A few others have messed up my day before. So um, <laughs> we can talk after the podcast about what your responsibilities might be. I think they might be hopefully lighter than, you, than you're expecting. So we'll, we'll see. see. We'll but see. Uh, there's, some, there's some people on that story. But that's the inside baseball people need to know about. I do want to talk about Gardner Minshew because I was making Baller. James laugh because uh, I was trying to trade him away already <laughs> to a team that has playoff aspirations that just lost their Hall of Fame quarterback. No, I listen, I, my personal opinion is I wouldn't trade Gardner Minshew just because I think he is very good. For Anthony Richardson, given some of the quotes I've seen in in your in your stories about the way he is willing to let this be Anthony Richardson's team, the way he's willing to help, he's been around the NFL, he knows Shane Steichen's offense, like it's all good things. So unless I was blown, you know, unless somebody was calling with like a first round pick, you know, you probably don't want to hear that. That said, man, that guy might be the best backup quarterback in football, and if you put him on a team like the Jets. They might go to the playoffs like they had imagined. And, you know, again, I don't know what the Aaron Rodgers recovery thing. I mean, now they think he might be back for the playoffs or something. So who knows what's going on with that? But I just was in my head. I was wondering if you're Chris Ballard and the Jets call and they say second round pick, which is ridiculous, but a second round pick for Gardner Minshew. Do you, what do you do? Do you just say we're not doing it? Like, I don't I, what is the price that you at least have to listen on Gardner Minshew? I'm just curious because, again, this is all going back to the game. It's compliments to him because he played so well. I think you got to listen to a second. At least listen and hear it out. I'll be greedy, like second and a third. Are you doing it for a third only? Just no. out of curiosity. No. You're not. Okay. I okay. could not. And and I don't think they're going to do it at all because no, either it goes I. back to how much he might mean to this team beyond just how good he is as a backup. Forty five touchdowns against five fifteen interceptions in his career, which is very. I mean, a three to one ratio touchdown interceptions as a professional quarterback in the NFL is really good. And Jim Irsay said it after the game that he's a starter. He's a starter on a different team. You know, he started for a few teams probably in the NFL. Um, he could probably start in Arizona right now. Um, he could start for, like you said, the Jets right now. He could start for a number of teams. But I think his relationship with Anthony Richardson, the mentoring that he's done, and the cheering that he's done for that kid might be, like, too intangible, too valuable. And it's, it's an intangible thing, but just too valuable to give up on. So um, I would say for the Jets fans who are listening for whatever reason – don't, you know, uh, hold your breath. You know, you might pass out. But I think that, uh, it, I mean, yeah, it, I, I, if I'm the Jets, I'll say this. If I'm the Jets, I'm calling. I would at least inquire. I mean, I don't see any harm in doing that. But realistically, no. I think that they keep Gardner Minshew and they keep him for reasons like this where he's able to kind of galvanize the group. And I'm two for two now, by the way, Jim, and disrespecting Colts quarterbacks. 
So obviously everyone knows about the project question that I asked Anthony Richardson at the combine yesterday. I was trying to set up my question about quarterback safety and I'll, and I kind of hit Gardner Minshew uh, on the nose a bit. And I was like, Hey, Oh, that's where that quote came from. I didn't yes. know what the question was. That's yes. great. And okay. I said, Hey, obviously <laughs> you're a dual threat quarterback. You know, you can move a little bit or whatever. And he's like a little bit, obviously. And I'm like, ah, and everyone in the media room just like laughs. And he, he was a good sport about it. I do think he was a little offended, but the point I was trying to make was, I'm not trying to make you Anthony Richardson, but he is, he does have some dual threat capability. He's not some stiff guy, but his counterpoints after I kind of took a jab at him unintentionally, he was like, you know what? You know, that was actually a little bit lighter because we were walking out and this is like just him Gardner being Gardner. He's like, yeah, at halftime, Shane Steichen was like, you know, Hey, we got to go to the playbook. And he told Gardner that any read plays obviously did not have any reads in them. Just make the play. And he was like, dang, coach, obviously. He's like, I, I got, you know, I, I can do a little. He's like, no, just run the play, first read or whatever. You do that. You don't get the full, you know, smorgasbord like Anthony Richardson. And he was laughing about that. So, again, two for two, disrespecting quarterbacks. So, for my own sake, maybe if they got rid of Gardner, I could, like, get another one in here and get on his good side for once. But um, I'll be in the, I don't think I'll be in the doghouse. We'll see. Yeah, man, just me. Walking into these questions, I got I got to pr- prepare better, maybe. But I, I will say this: I get real responses both times, both times. So kudos to to I'll pat myself on the back for that. But that was funny, just because Gardner is the type of guy, and I think that levity that he brings also is something that you can't really put a price on. And I think that matters in the locker room. All the guys seem to really like him as well. So you have two guys who are quarterbacks. They're very important, but they're very egoless in how they approach the game, and so that's comforting for the team. And so. Yeah, no Gardner Minshew trades, and and mainly because, Lord have mercy, my life would, again, become crazy. So don't wish that upon me, Jim, because then you would be editing my work on Gardner Minshew's, uh, inside Gardner Minshew's two games in Indianapolis. Yeah, trade <laughs> demands because he's getting riled by reporters and he just wants out. <laughs> yep, exactly. Oh, they don't respect me here. Let me go to New York and, like, you know, lead them to the playoffs, something like that. But, no, that guy is – he's good, man. He's a really good player. And I think he's going to be underrated and he's going to be, he's going to be one of those guys when we're sitting around, you know, years from now. And like, you know, the people who are really into the sport will just, you, you know, how it is when you're around your buddies, you just bring up random players. I remember this guy, whatever. He's going to be one of those players because he was he, like, you had to be there to kind of know how good he was. He's not going to be in some like crazy conversation online about who was the best quarterback of this era, but he was really good. And he's a baller. And so we'll see what he does going forward. And if he does get more, um, opportunities this week because he was saying he had no reps last week obviously as the backup he's like you get no reps he made that very clear i asked shane Sykin today if Gardner Minshew will prepare as the starter assuming that anthony richardson is limited in practice or whatever he kind of just said hey guys we're you know we're we're, we're, we're feeling that out and i'm like great or nothing. <laughs> i mean that's uh, that's what i expected i mean he's he's a good coach he keeps it ironclad ironclad that's for sure oh my gosh uh <laughs> Well, again, to be clear, I wasn't trying to push Gardner Minshew out. I actually, like I guess I watch Gardner Minshew play it and I go, why? I think if he had better draft capital, he's like Baker keeps getting starting jobs. Baker Mayfield keeps getting starting jobs. Why can't Gardner Minshew get like, I don't see, I don't think there's a huge difference in those guys' games. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's kind of where I'm at. All right. In terms of time, we're running probably short on it. So I want to give you one more topic. I'm going to let you choose because you get to talk. I'm going to let you, yeah, you said you get to pick. Do you want to talk about, and then this is, I'm starting with my very first one. 
The one I want to talk about is how cool it was that French fries played yesterday on the offensive line. You don't seem like you want to do it, so that's fine, but I got it in, so that's all I care about. We could talk about Zach Moss and how he well he played yesterday, or you referenced before we started going that you might want to bring up the, the secondary and how they got diced up by C.J. Stroud. So what you pick your topic, and we'll go from there. All right, let's end it on the secondary because I – am a masochist i guess in that sense where you (laughs) gotta gotta have a little pain to really enjoy something i i think that they got picked on and my buddy uh you know covers the texas for espn dj he mentioned in his story i read this morning about you know just the numbers that cj stroud put up and how prolific it was for him and you know how good he was when he wasn't pressured actually and even when he was pressured he's still able to make some throws and make some big plays and i thought that daryl baker jr got picked on a lot yesterday got a bit exposed um something to clean up going forward but that secondary their defensive front their front seven has been i think among the best in football like they're they're in that 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 group i think they're probably like a top 10 unit or something like that top 12 like that they played well that secondary Rookie quarterback kind of picked them apart, and I think that's going to be a trend throughout the season because realistically, you probably can't expect two undrafted rookies, not undrafted, but undrafted players, and rookie Juju Brents, who hasn't really hasn't been available the first two games, haven't even played, has him on the roster. Those things I think will add up at some point, and we're starting to see it. So while it was a win, I'm like, hmm, you get 20 to the Texans and make that field goal, it gets a little bit more dicey, but. We'll really find out, I think, next week with Lamar Jackson and, and, and the Ravens because um, he finally has some talented players around him at skill positions, and you would expect them to to sort of pick on those guys. And so um, that was my, my I guess, biggest negative takeaway from yesterday was like, okay, now we're starting to see some of that that youth and inexperience on, on the secondary. Yeah, I mean, to your point, it, it's not a great... So I, I want to give credit to CJ Stroud. I thought he looked really good. His pocket manipulation was really, really good. I mean, he, he took... Was it? I think it was six sacks, but so not that good, I guess. But I think the offensive like a dude, line, though. I mean, their offensive line was he down four starters. I was going to say they were down to all secondary guys. I think and he threw for almost four hundred yards. I thought he looked really good. So I don't, I don't want to take away credit from him, but he is maybe the low bar of the guys that you're going to see coming up. Like you said, you got Lamar, Matthew Stafford looks really good. And I don't know who's going to cover Puka Nakua for the Colts right now because that guy's just getting open everywhere. Ryan Tannehill is played a better game last week, so we'll see. But then after that, it's Trevor Lawrence again, Sean Watson, Derek Carr. I mean, that's that's a lot of tests in the next few weeks. And then obviously after that, you get Bryce Young. We'll see. Mac Jones. We'll see. Baker Mayfield. We'll see. So there's a, it does let up in the middle of the season. But for the next five weeks, the secondary is going to be tested. And again, as good as you said, the front was and all the pressure that they did get, it didn't ultimately stop CJ Stroud from dicing them up. And again, he dropped back to pass a lot. So the yards are going to get piled up. And it was some garbage time stuff I kind of get. I, I don't want to kill him too much, but. It is a little concerning, and though, to be honest, it wasn't not that, I don't know, we kind of saw it coming, right? It's a really young secondary. These guys are going to take their lumps. Absolutely, and I think there's something to keep in mind going forward, but as for the overall game, it's a win, so I'm sure the Colts fans woke up this morning feeling pretty good, and Anthony Richardson will find out the latest on him and keep that, you know, uh, updated updated, and keep that coming on theathletic.com. I have some other stories this week as well, just revisiting different trends, themes, maybe a feature. Um, When I get some sleep, I'll have better uh, answers for you all, but make sure you tune in next time. So for James Boyd, Jim Diallo, this is the Upper Quartile.